Money is the shadow of success. You become successful in anything you do, money follows. If you concentrate on the money, in my eyes, you sometimes concentrate on the wrong things. So that, that was my kind of mindset when I was fine. All I wanted to do was be number one in the world. And if I did that, I'll earn money, won't I? Today's podcast guest is One Punch, Brad Pickett. He was a former UFC fighter, had one fight as a bare knuckle competitor, and now runs his own gym. We reflect on his career and talk about the future. Be happy, never content. Make sure you're commenting and subscribing. Before we start this week's podcast, I have to give a special mention to our sponsors. I Secure Vehicles. They are a brilliant company, a family-run business, and they specialize in vehicle safety and security throughout the UK. I know this company very well, and I also know the people behind the brand. If you've been following me on my podcast journey and on social media, you will know that I love cars and so does my network. This is why I'm very, very excited to be working with iSecure Vehicles, and this is why we have chosen them to be our sponsors for the Stephen Sully Study Podcast. Their team are professionals, experts, and they're efficient. Once their product is installed on your car, your vehicles, you will have the peace of mind that your asset is protected. Trust me, do not wait until it's too late. Get protection now. For more information about their products, including dash cameras, undetected immobilizers, and also car tracking systems, head over to isecure-vehicles.co.uk. And remember to mention the Stephen Sully Study podcast sent you. Right, welcome back to the podcast, the Stephen Sully Study. We're here at Woodbury House Art Gallery over in Mayfair. I've got a brilliant guest in front of me. You're now the second UFC MMA fight I've had on the podcast. I had Nathaniel Wood was the first, okay. and now you are the second. I don't know how I feel about it. A little bit, a little bit gutted. You know, like, he, he was my apology. He beat me to it. <laughs> I've... Um, Doing a bit of boxing myself, I've had countless amount of boxers. I, I would say the lion's share of my podcast interviews ha, have, has been predominantly boxers. Okay. But for some reason, I could never, ever, ever get a UFC fighter on okay. or an MMA star. And now it's like buses, they both come at the same time. <laughs> so anyway, Brad Pickett, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for bringing your lovely sidekick, your dog. <laughs> and also, we've got a dog in the room, everybody. And, um, and, and, yeah, just just sharing your story. So my first question is this: Why are you called One Punch Picket? Well, my nickname—I actually—I came from a boxing background. So first of all, so trying to keep the long, long story short, my, my first when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was sports. I was—I say I was a very good athlete. I was never. I wouldn't say I was the best at anything, but I was better than average at everything. So like, I was good at football, good at rugby, good at basketball, good at cricket. I wasn't like the best at cricket, I wasn't the best at basketball, but I, I could do all those sports. Uh, my best and favourite sport I was probably was football. Uh, and in my head, uh, I was one of the best in my school. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be a professional footballer, obviously, you know, like, because... I'm the best in the school. Then you realise you go outside your school and you go county, play county, and you realise, 
oh, there's a lot more better players than Ian are going to get in some trials like Nottingham Forest and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people out there are a lot better than me. Um, so, yeah, but football is always my, my, my main drive. Uh, and I played, the highest level I played over a team called Russian Diamonds. Um, I couldn't get into their first team. Um, I was like playing for the reserves and that sort of thing. I was like only like 18, 19 at the time anyway. Um, then I suffered a really bad knee injury um, playing football for Sunday morning, which I shouldn't have been playing for them. And I had a bad injury then that happened. Then I got into boxing uh, and um, just started boxing there just to keep fit. And um, yeah, and then I enjoyed boxing. You know, I, I liked it and I kind of like got my one punch name from kind of boxing because my first, I think my first five amateur fights and I, and that time I weighed what, 55 kilos, you know, like, and then I, I bet I was wearing like 10 ounce uh, gloves and headgear and I, and I stopped my first five opponents, you know, I was like, well, I can eat hard, you know, like I was, was it, yeah, again, I wouldn't say I was the most skillful boxer, but I was just tough and I could just throw hard and, bit relentless kind of thing so uh, yeah I did well and that's why I got the name One Punch from Boxing Do you know the word toughness right and there are certain fighters out there Nagano springs to mind yeah Deontay Wilder in the boxing world springs to mind the Mike Tyson's the people that literally when they touch you you just literally just lights are out and you just literally get knocked out and, and, and really really damaged do you think like becoming that, do you think you have to be a natural tough person or do you think that's something, someone or a characteristic or an attribute that you can develop into? Um, I think toughness is a mindset, you know, like everyone's has their body, right? So like not saying someone's more susceptible to getting knocked down other people, but that can be the case, especially later on in your life. But being tough is just a mindset. I mean, I mean, again, going back to when I used to play football, I remember, I remember playing football when I was a kid and being a little bit of a melt, really. Like, if someone tackled me, I was like, ah, like, I was just a bit of, yeah, just a pussy, basically. And like, I remember like, leaving my, weird, it was so weird, like, I would never get hurt in a way where it would hurt me. So I could have a bad tackle or, or even like say I fell over and hit myself. But if I see someone sees me like my mum or something like that and I, I'm like, or someone tackled me maliciously, I would play up and like act and cry like, yeah, but it didn't hurt. I was like weird. So I was always knew I could take punishment, right? Um, and that's what I mean. That's why I go like, I, I think... Being tough is a mindset. Because then I remember going to, to when I started to change. I went to uh, went to college, and I left school. And I, I had a different circle of friends, and I was so new. And I, I actually remember just saying, I remember to my head, I'm like, I'm gonna stop being a pussy. <laughs> then I started playing football, and I ended up being a bit more of a, like a Dennis Wise kind of player, just tackling hard. And I, I kind of loved it. And that's when now I'm like, hey, I'm gonna take up boxing. So I took up boxing as well. And I actually like, no, I, kinda, I like not being such a a pussy and it was only a mindset you know like and even now to this day that mindset stuck with me throughout my fighting career where I'd be like alright you're good you're technical I don't care I'm gonna beat you up and it, it is so very difficult because I even see it now as a coach and even when I was fighting when you have so many people in the gym 
are so good. But when it becomes real and it's in like arena and like that, they just do not show up. The, the occasion gets to them. So like, I think that there's a lot of people who, who, who well, I say turn up when it's a real like real life situation and it's people that cow away. And I was one of those people that would turn up and like, you know, when, when it's real and we're fighting, we're going, I'm like, cool, let's go. You know, I, I, I had that kind of switch, so, mm. yeah. So living sort of up to the, the, the nickname and also the persona of One Punch Picket, mm. when, you, when you used to knock people out when you were competing, was that, was that planned or was it kind of in the heat of the battle, you found the shot that put people over? Yeah, I mean, you, you never plan to, I mean, like, you never say, I'm going to plan to knock you out. You don't know, I plan to punch you. And if that punch knocks you out, it knocks you out. Isn't like, great. But like, you, you, I, I tend with my fighting style, always, I wasn't a point scorer. I do, I did throw hard. And like, I, and, and I was, yeah, again, going back to my, my toughness, I didn't care about getting hit. So like, I, did, I could, yeah, again, I was quite good at absorbing damage. And this is the thing where some people, you, in a combat sport, even boxing and, and like in um, MMA, you don't want to be what I call a glass cannon. You don't want to be a case where I could knock you out if I hit you, but if you knock me, hit me, you knock me out. You want to have some resilience and toughness. And some of the, the best heavyweights in the world go to boxing, uh, 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 Tyson, you know, like uh, not Mike Tyson, but Tyson Fury. I don't think he's technically the one of the best boxers. I think someone like um, Anthony Joshua, technically, if you look at him punching and technically, is a much better boxer. But if those two fought, Tyson Fury's going to win because he can fight and he can take a punch. You saw him when he fought Wilder and he, he got knocked down like he was dead, you know, and he came back, you know, like, so he's, he's one of those people who's not about sometimes so cliche to say like Rocky. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about what, sometimes about what damage you could absorb and come back, you know, so especially in the heavyweight division as well, mm. you know, like you got to have some sort of resilience. Obviously knocking a lot of opponents out, is there any opponent or any time that always replays in your head? You know, like you, I, I know when I've had a good spa or a fight, one of one yeah. of the boxing fight, and I, I sometimes when I think back and I go, oh yeah, that was enjoyable, etc. You must have, you've must got so many of them banked in your memory. Is there one that stands out you thought that knockout was a real well, sweet, sweet I have one. some from, from my amateur boxing days, but it's quite weird because in MMA, even though I was classed as a striker, my name was One Punch, I actually have a lot of submission wins on my record. Uh, and I actually became really good at wrestling. I went out to America, wrestled. So that's something I, I was at jack of all trades I used to throw hard as well so one that really stuck out to me is when like I had quite a few fights in the UFC and, and like I'd win decisions in, involved in some exciting fights and stuff and some submissions I didn't knock I had knocked someone out for a little bit and then I remember making um, having a fight in the UFC in Nottingham and I fought a guy called Eve Gibran uh, and I uh in the first round, again, he was a really good striker from Canada. And I was a little bit nervous fighting him because he was like real good flamboyant, spinning back kicks, all that sort of stuff. And I was a little bit nervous fighting him, uh, being a good striker. And I remember just coming forward, trying to take him down and him 
you know, defending my takedown. And I remember, I remember the commentator, when I wrote about it, I didn't hear it at the time, but saying, oh, Brad Pickett's going to find it hard to take down Eve Jabon within the first round. And, was, I, I, and then I went to go for a takedown, but I fainted it and I came back over an uppercut. So he ducked down to think I was going to go for a takedown and I uppercutted him and I just knocked him out cold. Yeah, and that was in the first round. So it was quite good because obviously having an in one punch, you kind of, you got to live up to it once in a while. So that was good. So that, that definitely, uh, yeah. And also I got like knock out the night bonus from the UFC and that. So that was cool. Um, I asked this to Nathaniel and you've actually covered it in some other previous interviews and, and, and podcasts. You're clearly good at boxing. You're obviously clearly good at MMA. But why didn't you take a professional career in boxing considering the amount of money that is actually involved? Yeah, again, going back to what I was saying, I, uh, right, so this is how it happened, because like, I was, if I remember, I always get it wrong, but I think I was like either 10 and one or 11 and one as an amateur boxer. Uh, and I think I stopped by seven or eight of my opponents. And that was at like what, 55 kilos. With that though, going back to what I'm saying, I wasn't the most technical boxer. I was a brawler, right? So even the fight I lost, I remember, it was in like a southern area, no southern area, wherever, where, up in Wellingborough or somewhere. It was like in one of the uh, Midlands kind of area final. And I, I, and I fought a guy, came out like I always did, dropped him in the first round, right? Got back up, came out, dropped him again. He got back up. He got a lot of time to recover. I got a little annoyed at the ref, got a little too long to cover. And then I kind of like, he just survived. He was older than me at the time. And he just survived that first round and like just boom, boom. And then just picked me apart, boom. Just jab, jab. And like in amateur boxing, you could jab me I don't know if it's changed now, but I can remember back at those days. If you jab me in the head, that's a point. If I overhand right, you'll knock you down. That's a point. You don't get, it's not like boxing. I mean, like pro boxing. Um, and that may be different now, but back in those day, days, it, it wasn't like that. Yeah, punches uh, just represents punch. one point. Yeah. yeah, so it doesn't matter how hard you hit, right? So uh, I remember, and then I remember trying to finish that guy and just gassing myself out and just getting out box, boom. Guy moved around, he'd stay away from me, jab, move, jab, move, and me just swinging bombs. So I wasn't, like I say, the most technical guy, but I could hit hard for my size, and I was ferocious. So, um, yeah, I did well. So for me, actually, I would have done better at professional boxing than I would have done at amateur boxing. Mm. But then, like I said, when, when I was 2019, 21, I ruptured my ACL on my knee playing football. Uh, and then that, that kind of put a halt to my footballing, my, my, you know, my footballing sort of dreams. But then um, I uh, had to, I gave up boxing as well because football was my thing. As in, like, I, I, I didn't really, it's called the box. I liked it. I liked the respect it gave me. And also I, like, I liked boxing as a good life skill to learn. Because, like, not that I got bullied, but, like, if you were a bully, who are you gonna pick on? The guy that can box or the guy who can't? You, you're not gonna mess with me. So what I did with Maya when I learned how to box, I kind of used it as a vigilante tool where I looked after, because like I say, I wasn't, I was dyslexic at school. I found school quite hard. So I was like in the bottom sets. 
So if I was in a bottom set, I was with, you know, not some bright people and some people get picked on, right? So I was making friends with them. So I was, because I used to like defend them and like, hey, leave that guy alone. So I was tough in that way and I used it as a vigilante tool. So like, for me, it's like, and then I, I watched my ACL, try to get back into boxing. This is where I moved back down to London. I went to the Cannon Town, uh, uh, Peacocks in Cannon Town. Uh, and I remember going boxing then. I was a little bit older at the time, like 24, 25. I just went to the boxing uh, and uh, I just remember going there to the boxing classes and I didn't really get any attention because all the people they're looking after are these young kids and I get it. I was a 24 year old man and that's the difference with boxing. You can't you can't get into it later in life and really do too. Now you can a little bit because of, because of YouTube and those sort of things. But as a professional boxer, you need to kind of like have a good amateur career. I, I mean, like, and I was too old when I got back in, so I didn't get enough attention. And that's when one of my friends said to me, oh, why don't you go try out MMA? And I'm like, all right, I'll give that a go, see what it's like. I remember watching some early UFCs. And I'm like, okay, I'll go give grappling and go a little bit. And I went and done that, and I'm like, I remember just like when I used to go boxing. When you get to a certain stage, you're like you know how to jab, slip, cross, roll, right hand, you know. And then apart from that, then it's just like natural ability, time, and speed. Where when I went to MMA, I'm like, what? What's this? A rear naked choke? What? What's that? A takedown? Was I mean, what? Knee? I'm like, what? I was just learning There's so much stuff, and I was I just found it so cool. You know, and back then also when I started MMA, it wasn't really a career path or anything like that. It was just a bit of fun. And yet again, I remember going to my first ever MMA class. There was a young boy called Mark Smith and I was a 25, 26 year old man when I started MMA. And he was a 16 year old kid. And yet again, coming from a bit of a boxing background, you kind of think, you know, I'm all right, I'm tough. And being quite a good athlete, I'm like, I'm quite, you know, solid. And I remember getting it absolute battering from this guy called Mark Smith, a 16-year-old kid, and he just humbled me. Not that I was cocky, but just like, just opened my eyes, I'm like, and I just went, holy shit, I cannot have someone out there be able to do this to me just for a general life skill. I need to learn this. And it kind of just lit a fire, and I just started doing MMA, MMA, and I just loved it, learning all these new things. It was such a refreshing to me. Uh, and that's when kind of I just took off and started doing MMA. And then, like, uh, yeah, then I started fighting MMA. And I'm like, oh, cool, this is fun. And then, then the rest is history sort of thing. So on that note, do you believe that MMA boxing should be taught to younger children and perhaps even in schools? 100%. I, I, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be in schools. But like I said, like, I've got two kids. I've got my young son, Buddy, who's seven years old, turning eight this, this month. And I have a daughter called Poppy, who's four, turning five in December. Buddy's already been in the gym quite a bit. He is by far what I call a fighter. Like, he doesn't have a bad bone in his body. I don't have a bad bone in my body. But he will learn how to fight because it is just a valuable life skill to have. Mm. You know, like, 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 that's so cliche to say, you, you don't want to be, you'd rather be the warrior in the garden than a gardener at war. So you're not saying you want to go around beating everyone up because you can. You want to learn how to, if I need to, I can. I need to be able to defend myself if I need to. So like, like I say, it's just a life skill. For me, 
it doesn't it's not natural to me to go punch someone in the face <laughs> even though it's, it was my job for a long time it's not I never ever had any animosity towards the person I was fighting you know it was just a job for me and business. I was good at it your business and I, it was a job I mean like I mean like nowadays there's a lot of trash talk and all that sort of stuff for me it didn't bother me you know like I'm gonna fight quite ferociously not because I dislike you, it's just because I'm competitive and I don't like losing. Was there ever a person you ever fought though that you didn't like? Never. No. It's not a person I don't like. Yeah. Even yeah. now, I don't. I can't. I can't even count on one hand the people I dislike. It's if I if I, there's people I'm like okay, I'm not too, I'm not a massive fan of, but I, I like like going back to what my mum used to always say: if you've got nothing nice to say, just don't say it. I don't have to say. So I don't have to tell you. I think you're a dickhead. You know, mm. like if you, I think you're a bit of a dickhead on the market or whatever. I may not like you, but someone else will. Mm. Each their own, whatever. And mm. there's people out there, I think they're a bit, you know, a bit of a waste of space, or whatever. But I just keep it to myself. Mm. You know, like and me, me telling you that guy's a bit of an idiot. That's gonna cloud. He's gonna straight away gonna put things into your head to think this guy's an idiot. Me, make up your own mind. If you think that guy's an idiot, I think he's an idiot. Cool, but he's an idiot then, isn't he? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to try and persuade you, is it? I mean, like, so like, for me, it's like, yeah. Yeah, so for me, going back to the, the, the original sort of the question, um, I, I uh, actually don't know what the original question was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you've, you, you've covered it anyway, but, okay. The UFC is a massive, 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 multi-billion dollar yeah. brand. Now, I know when you were fighting, it was big. Yeah. Obviously, today it's on steroids and it's gone to a completely di different level. But yeah. even back then, it had a big following and yeah. it, was, it, was, it was adored and it was appreciated by a lot of fighting fans and also the wider sporting fans. Yeah. It must have done a lot for your own, forget fighting, just your own profile. Like, 100%, it yeah. turned you into, let's, let's call it a celebrity. Yeah. You know? Um, what was that like? You know, suddenly having this big profile, fighting in front of thousands of people and becoming recognised as you walk down the street? Um, humbling. I mean, like, for me, I, I, I'm on it. Even to this day now, if everyone, anyone recognises me, I'm like, oh, I mate, you're good. Yeah, I'm just a normal person. I, I think a lot of people, when they see people in the limelight and all that sort of stuff, they think they're different. Everyone's human. That's why I never get phased when I see, if I ever see anyone else famous. Like, if David Beckham came in there, I'd be like, ah, oh, guys, God, David, you could, you know, like, I'm not like, they're all human, we're all human. I think, for me, it's like, I don't class myself as anything different. When I used to fight, I used to wear a trilby hat and braces, and that was to pay tribute to my granddad, who used to be a bare boxer. Um, and then also, I used to come out reading the newspaper. And because I'm from East End of London, what do you do when you go to work? Go on the, on the underground, you get the metro and you read the newspaper. So that was my walking out thing. I'm coming out, going to work. So for me, I cast myself as a normal working man. And this is just my job. You guys like it. Brilliant. You know, awesome. I, I, I love the fans' attention. Uh, and to be honest, that's why within my fighting, I think I did pretty well in a way where I was a bit of a fan favourite because I used to always like, People, people don't realize. Of course, it's a job, but you have to realize it's an entertainment sport. So you have to be, you have to be excited when you fight. You know, you don't want to be involved in boring fights. You know, it's like I would have an idea in my head. I'm like, 
this may be a bit boring and then if I feel I'm in a position that's a bit boring I, I'm like I kick fall let them up let's go and I'll try and make the fight exciting yet and so I know that people of paid money to go watch the fight and want to see a good fight so I have in my head I know what a good fight is mm. so uh, and also it helped me out actually because my first like I think six fights in the UFC I hit five bonuses which I like and back in those days you know they're now the cap but my first one my first fight in the UFC I got like a 70 grand bonus then I got a 60 grand bonus then I got 50, 50, 50 you know man and like I loved it. You know, I was involved in good fights and, and, I, and I got paid accordingly. It was good for it. You know, so, yeah. There's that famous um, part when Conor McGregor, I think his first fight, and he goes, 60 Gs, baby. People don't realise this. I was on that card, right? So this, this is what people don't realise. Because now, <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. Uh, so the, my first fight in UFC, I said, I, I, I uh, the bonus was 70,000, right? Since that, after that fight, Dana White... Well, what happens is when you, when you do the weigh-in, once you're weighed in, Dana White will put all the fighters, no coaches, all the fighters into a, a side room and go, right, guys, well, fight right tomorrow. This is what the gate's going to be. I want you to be I'm put on a side fight. This is what the bonuses are going to be, blah, blah, blah. Back in the days, it was no, there was no cap. It's what Dana said. Dana would be like, it could be 40 grand, it could be 100 grand. You know, he would just make up on the spot sometimes. But then what they did, they wanted to put like a, a cap on it. So it's 50 grand, right? That was the cap. Every fight was 50 grand. So on that fight where Conor McGregor was making his debut, he fought a guy called Michael Brimage. Also, there's another guy on the, on the card uh, called Diego Brandown which is fine as well and I was fine on that card we got brought back backstage and uh, Dana White okay, alright guys you know blah 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 put on a good show right now we've got capped with, uh, the, the, with, the, with the bonuses it's going to be 50 grand every, every time going forward and Jacob Brown goes no Dana come on 60 G's and, like, and Dana's like no we're capped he goes come on 60 G's and Dana White went alright fuck it 60 G's it is and that's why McConaughey's first fight, he shouts 60 G's, baby, because it should it should be 50 G's, and every every fight since it's always been 50. But that that one show it was 60 when Conor made made his debut. I, I won because I got 60. I got 60 grand on that night as well because I got fight and night bonus as well. Yeah, T- talking about. I want to talk about Conor McGregor, but let's just talk about the money side of stuff first, because mm-hmm. there's always been this talk with fans or with forums or with Mm. journalists or with critics they talk about boxing pay versus UFC pay the thing that's hitting the headlines at the moment which is an exciting fight or an exciting I don't know if it's going to be exciting fight but it's certainly an exciting show which is the fury against Nagano yeah and part of the reason why Nagano, Francis Nagano, has come out of the UFC to do this boxing match purely and simply is because of number one, the money. Yep. He's set to make over $10 million. And that is, if you combine all of his earnings in the UFC, it doesn't even come close to that. The money then in the UFC has been criticised quite a lot. And I think there is a bit of a shift taking place, but I don't think it's probably happening as quickly as maybe some fighters or some people believe it should be taken. I'm not here to criticise because I, yeah. as a business person myself, I understand there's a business there. Dana yeah. White knows what he's doing. Do you think the pay in the UFC is fair or could it be stepped up? You could ask different people and get different um, 
answers you know obviously for, for me and myself i didn't care about money too much i was different i was competition driven so for me i in my eyes money is the shadow of success you become successful in anything you do money follows if you concentrate on the money in my eyes you sometimes concentrate on the wrong things so that that was my kind of mindset when i was fine all i wanted to do is be number one in the world and if i did that i'll earn money won't i you know like kind of thing but i do understand where people are coming from but then you go back to boxing right this is where it's different so that card you just said about Francis Ngannou versus Tyson, right? That'd be a massive card. Do you know the two people getting paid on that? Just them two. You have an undercard, which no one's going to know anyone on the undercard. You know, they never promote nothing else by that. This is the difference between why I think UFC as a promotion is done so well compared to things like boxing, where boxing, they only promote the main event, right? So those two four guys are fine. They're, that's the lion's share of the purse where everyone gets paid because no one knows about anyone else. So two things, this is where it, in my eyes, goes wrong for boxing. Because if you go to pay to watch a fight, you say, do this one, Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury, you go pay your money, hard earned money to go watch that fight and you're only tuning into that fight and that fight sucks. You know, it's one of those 12 rounds hugging each other, not really fighting. You'd be like, that's a waste of my money. And you'd be disappointed, right? With the UFC, they don't pay, uh, never promote the main event. Of course they do, but they promote, they promote a main card and also undercard. They put good fights and they promote all these fights. So if you turn up to a UFC event and you'll see the difference between boxing and UFC. If you go to a UFC event in England, the first fight, crowd's full. The last fight is full. You go to boxing, it's empty, 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 main event, full, right? So for me, no one's getting any stardom, but if you went to like the UFC to watch the main event, but you went there early on and you see four or five other cracking fights and the main event was Pony, you'd be like, man, I still had a great, I had a great night because these other fights, that was awesome. And then also, you remember that guy? Oh, I remember that guy with the red hair and the mohawk, man. They, he done that spinning knockout, that was cool. And they, then you start developing other stars rather than relying on those one, two. So that's why I think, for me, boxing is so, you don't have multiple stars, if that makes sense. Mm. You just have one here, one there. And that's why, for me, it seems a little bit shallow, where in the UFC, you have multiple weight classes and multiple stars who are not even like Conor McGregor massive star he's not one of the best fighters in the world by far no one of the world known 100% very talented fighter I think he's great I love him right but he's not you know he's not the number one pound for pound fighter he's not even the best in his weight class you know and, but he's still a superstar and then you have other people like Sean O'Malley here's another one now he's just won the belt don't get me wrong but there's so many stars within the UFC which is why they do so well could some of these people get paid more money yes and they do earn very good money for me the UFC has always been good to me right uh, like there's a few times where I had a fight. I remember, I, I remember fighting on the Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes. It was UFC 193, I believe it was, or 196, and it was in uh, in Vegas. I had a fight. I opened 
up the main card, I think, against a guy called Thomas Almeida. He was 20 and 0, and I was, you know, and I fought him. We had a cracking fight in the first round. I dropped him a couple of times. I thought I was going to, you know, that was it. Second round, he came out. I threw a knee, he threw a jumping scissors boom, dropped me and won the fight. I was gutted, right? I went back home. On the Monday, Dana White called me personally himself. He goes, mate, that was a really good fight. I know in the UFC as well, you get paid show and win, right? So you get paid X amount to fight, X amount to win. He says to me, that's a great fight. We're going to pay you win money. Didn't have to do that. It's not my contract to him to do that. But he says, that was an awesome fight. Appreciate you doing that. Uh, here, here's your win money. Can I ask how much that was? At that time, it was 40. I was on 40 and 40. Nice. You know? So, uh, 80 grand. 80 grand. You know, like I was on 40 and 40. And uh, so that, that was, was just having, just me going home, being upset that I'm, I'm only getting 40 grand and you know, I lost my fight, man. I was winning that fight. I could have won it. I knocked that guy down twice. And ah, Monday call from the boss. Mate, great fight. Keep everyone money. Just think about that. Those those little things. And don't get me wrong, he would not do that for everyone. You know? So tell you what, obviously when you have if you have your if you you have your own company, you are your boss, you have loads of people to work for, you have some people you love. You have some people you think this guy's a pain in the ass. You know? Same as Dana. He's gonna have people who he gets on well with and he's gonna think people just give him too much trouble. God, this guy's an idiot, what's he doing? Saying that again or doing some stupid it makes his job hard, you know? So of course he's gonna have what I call favourites, but everyone would, right, in any walk of life, you know, not saying he's just gonna do more for me. If it was someone he if he didn't like me, he would never phone me up on the Monday and give me extra money because he didn't have to. That's why I always say you should never bite the hand that feeds you. It's just bad business. Be a good company man and things happen, you know. Mm. Mm. Nathaniel Wood said the same thing. He went to have a fight on the UFC. Yeah. Guy pulled out. Not only did he get his turn up money, but Dana White paid him his his win money as well, I believe. Yeah. Which I mean, is which that, is that, was, that also goes for my, my relationship with Dana White because I was there when I was chatting to Dana with, with um, Nathaniel. That's it. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm not. Dana was a good guy. He didn't have to do that, you know. Of course, he didn't. He contractually, he didn't have to pay the family. He didn't fight, you know. But I'll pay you not just to show up. I'll pay you you win money as well. You know, so he's a good guy. And that is that that yeah yeah. And that stems down a little bit. Obviously, I, I believe to my relationship with Dana anyway. Dana's a good guy. Um, Nathaniel's a branch off me. So he, obviously, then my relationship with Dana helps him as well and then now that would help him so like yeah so like that's what he is you know, he's, he, I, I think Dan is a great guy yeah guys I wanted to hop on here to once again thank the sponsors of this week's podcast I Secure Vehicles when we were searching around for sponsors for the channel we honestly wanted to get a brand a company that would give massive amount of value to our audience and that is definitely I Secure Vehicles they have a wide range of products which are designed to keep your vehicle, your asset, safe and secure. Some of those products are dash cameras, undetected immobilizers and car tracking systems. Head over to iSecure to look at their products and make sure you say that the Stephen Sully Study podcast sent you there. So talking about Conor McGregor, because at one stage, it the UFC was kind of like the Conor McGregor show. Yeah, 
you know, it, he, he was the UFC. Superstar. Yeah, global um, superstar. You know, obviously he then pivoted out, fought Mayweather boxing match, came up with the slogan, I am boxing, which is still actually very funny, but also quite a cool thing to come up with. And he embodied it. And yeah. I say we all knew that he was going to get beat by, by, by Mayweather. No, there's, I mean, it's weird. He, there's I always mean, a puncher's chance. But, but the thing is, he, this, this is what, he's one of those fighters that is one in a lifetime. Right, where a bit like a Muhammad Ali, right? Because let's not let's not put let's not again mistaken. Conor McGregor for me is a fantastic fighter, but what he does best as well is sell fights, right? And he even had me thinking, you know, I reckon he might have a chance, you know, against against Mayweather. Mayweather, the best, the one of the best boxers to ever be on the planet, best. Defense bo- defensive boxer doesn't get hit hardly ever and I kind of like kind of had me believe in it a little bit you know like, and I, I'm not sure I wasn't stupid like, as soon as the fight happened you're like oh yeah okay cool so it happened what happened right um, but um, he, he, he's so well so good at captivating and what he, what he does really well as well is like when you it, what you call you double down so like if you're very brash and very like confident with what you do I, I mean you're fine I'm going to knock you out in the third round 100% you, believe me you know mark my words what I used to say and then I'll knock you out in the third round you're like what what the heck can hell you know missed it Matt missed it you're doubling down so he did that quite early on in his career and he was just doubling down because then a lot of people were like you cocky prick I hope you get beat and then he'll win by the way you said he was going to win you're like Oh man, this is quite. What the? What, what the fuck? You know, and that's what happens. Is if you do that, you put yourself on such a high pedestal, right? A lot of eyes are going to watch you. So two ways: if you lose, you fall further. But if you win, you double down. So he was doubling, not just betting. He was doubling down on every time he fought by saying how he's going to win and, and being that sort of confident. You know, uh, yeah. So that's why he, he blew up like he did, um, and he was what I call the first UFC fighter, probably the only one, only other one I would say is probably Jules St. Pierre. But other than that, he's the first UFC fighter which was more famous than the UFC in a way where people else did, did might not even know the UFC was. It's like, why well, you say this? David Beckham was more famous than just football. Right, he was famous outside of football. If you even if you didn't follow football, you knew who David Beckham was. If you didn't even if you didn't follow UFC, you knew who Conor McGregor was. You kind of you knew those sort of people. So like obviously within the sport of football, David Beckham was super famous. Even in the sport of um, uh, martial arts, Conor McGregor is famous. In the sport of martial arts, I was famous. Outside of martial arts, people want to know who I am. Outside of martial arts, people knew who Conor McGregor was. He had that big star pool, you know? Yeah. Well, it's the difference between becoming a great superstar athlete mm. opposed to being a celebrity. You know, yeah, everybody, he was. everybody knows you. So, look, um, I agree. He is still today a master salesperson, yeah. master promoter, master marketeer. He really can sell a fight and he can sell anything he puts his, his hand to but in last the last recent years he's had obviously injuries he's lost a, a, a lot of his last last fights 
in that time he sold shares off or maybe his, 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 all of his shares in proper 12 which is his, his whiskey I think that netted him 180 million dollars he's had massive paydays including the Mayweather fight which I think he got well over 100 million for he's now got uh, Forge Stout the, the basically the equivalent of Guinness which is building up and it looks like that's going to be an uber uber successful company he's got multiple different other brand endorsement deals he is such on this high. I mean, there's obviously the Lamborghini bow. He's got everything that he could possibly want. He's so successful. Because he's got so much money and he's so successful, is that now his downfall to his fighting ability? I, I think so. Because obviously to be, to be one of the best fighters in the world, you need, you need to live and breathe just fighting. He became so addicted to... The business side, don't get me wrong, it's fucking fantastic because look at what he's got now. It'll be, it all depends what you value and you want to do in life, if that makes sense. So, like, he loved the business side of things. He wanted to be successful. Like, you see him always talk about, look, I'm on the Forbes most richest athletes, you know. That's his goal. He wants to be the number one in Forbes. That's his thing. For me, I, I was honest. I don't, I don't care. I want to be number one in the world. If I, be, if I was number one in the world and I was on Forbes, whatever, cool. But I was never money driven. You know, money is a very important tool. You do need money in life in general to have a good life. Don't get it. Well, money's not everything. I was always competition driven. Mm. So for me, that's why I think his focus went off when he did become number one in the world, did, was a two-time weight champ. So that he started, his focus went elsewhere then when that happens, the target's on your back, everyone's gunning for you, everyone's training harder. While you're in there writing checks and cashing in checks, this guy's sweating you know, in the fields, running up and down hills, coming for you. So like, yeah, and like I say, go, let's not get it wrong, he was, and still is, a very fantastic fighter. But if you don't live breathe eat sleep just this sport it's gonna come out it's, it's gonna come get you because there's those people like in Dagestan like Khabib who was a guy that you know that's big kind of a on that you're gonna find you see these guys who like Khabib one of the best fighters in the world you know, you're not many people know him no many people know him as well as Conor McGregor but Khabib retired unbeaten you know, he has loads of money, but he's, he's just whatever. He keeps his, you know, he's not that person, you, you know. And like I say, it's like everyone everyone has regards success in different ways, right? Some people think to themselves, oh, this guy's got uh, a massive house, a Lamborghini boat, this and that and that. Man, so that's so successful. But you never know. You don't know behind the scenes. He's, you know, life is a wreck. His kids, you know, wait, I'm not saying about him, by the way. I, I don't know, I'm not afraid of him that, but just say you are a person. You, you may, you may his, his home life could be horrible. You know, like, you know, for, for me, that's what I was saying. My life, right, I don't have a Lamborghini boat and all that sort of stuff. I value my life and I class myself as the wealthiest man in the life is because of my wife and my two kids and even my little dog over here. I have such a beautiful family I'm so proud of and so happy with. And yes, 
I need to earn money to support their family, give them a better life. But I'm so happy with my family. That's where I value my, my riches. In my yeah. Life. I was going to say, actually, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, personal development, etc. And I think it was shortly after the Mayweather fight, I believe Conor McGregor lost his way a bit. And what I mean by that, there was the incident in the pub where he punched an old guy. Yeah. There was videos that were going around on WhatsApp chats where he was going into an estate, I think in Ireland, and he was out of his head. And there was actually one where a lady... He was, was a prostitute, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's clearly in bed. And he's just like, how has this guy gone from owning the world to becoming, seems like he's going off the rails. Yeah. And I get it, all the fame, all the attention, all the money, sometimes you can kind of lose your purpose. And he then went on to the Tony Robbins podcast where he went to Tony Robbins' house and he was very open about stuff. He was like, listen, I, I, I came away from the basics and I really just sort of, yeah, I just wasn't given my craft and my profession 100% and you see it of the best of people yeah. all the time and then he had him for who was the guy he uh, shouldered uh, Donald Cerrone yeah he had Tony Robbins in his corner like his mindset life coach and he obviously came out with that phenomenal performance and then knocked out the guy that knocks out people with kicks and he knocked, knocked him out with, with a kick and it just shows you that he's human you can have the highs, you can have the lows, and if you're not doing the basics, and if you haven't got good people around you, exactly, then yeah. you can you can you can fall by the wayside. You're you're product of your environment, indeed. And this was what I, I, I gotta say is, and like, not everyone. Like, so for me, I, I I'll be honest. I like to think that if I had that, I you never know, right? But I like to think if I had that level of fame as he did and the level of money he did, I wouldn't go astray. I think it's in your individual. You kind of help sometimes who you are. You, you, I chose to be a role model. I didn't choose to say, you don't choose to be a role model. I'm a good, I think I am a good role model. And I don't care about for other people so much. I want to be a good role model for my children, right? So that, that, that's my thing. So me being in the limelight, like I say, even now being on a podcast and stuff like that, I, I want to set good examples. Like my, my, my children listen to this podcast, whatever like that, you know, they, they, they hear my mum. I, I want to be a good role model. You don't choose to be one sometimes, you know, like sometimes you could just be famous and like you don't want to be a role model. And you see a lot of fighters say, look, I don't want to be a role model, but you can't help it. It's just, it's just, it's the responsibility given to you by being famous. And I say some people will take it with two hands and do very well. And some people just implode, you know, like, and and just like go off the rails and do some mad stuff and can't help it. You gotta realize if you're that famous, the camera's on you all the time, things are gonna get found out, you know? So yeah, if so like I say, a leopard never changes its spots. If you yeah. if you if you if you're gonna be a bit of a naughty person, and you're famous, you'd be a naughty person if you wasn't famous. Yeah, it, um, my former boss when I first got into sales always said the same thing: money just emphasizes who you are. Yeah. If you're a good giving person, you're a good giving person who's got lots of money to give away. If you're a bad person, you can use the money to manipulate certain scenarios in, in your favor. I want to say this name, mm -hmm. British guy, 
sadly we didn't get him to see him really um, do more in the UFC because of a certain scenario but I want as a as a as a former pro fighter yourself and someone that has still got a hand in the game because of your gym and stuff yeah want to get your take Lightning Lee Murray okay yeah I've been out of him a few times yeah yeah your take on him as an individual, your take on, on him as a as a fighter, because I remember seeing Dana White saying, this is years ago, that guy is a scary motherfucker. For me, as in like, yeah, as in like, I, I fought on the same card as him a few times and we went out and partied afterwards as well. He, yeah, it's hard, it's so hard to explain. He's like, like you heard stories of the guy, you know, like and stuff like that. I always got on from really well. He always respected me as a fighter. I think that's what always, always happens. If you can fight, there's always that neutral, uh, I mean, kind of respect. Okay, you, you know what I think? Uh, for me, I like you said, you've boxed before. I respect that because no matter what you do in a combat sport, I respect anyone. It's not easy. No matter what level you do it, it's not easy to put yourself out there in front of people to fight it's so tough mentally so as soon as I hear someone's competed I'm like cool I had that general respect no matter what level it is and like so I think you had that kind of neutral respect and he did for, for me but for me it was like one of those ones where you just kind of look at someone right and he's <laughs> this kind of guy really nice guy but he's just like man I've got a feeling this guy could flip out any time and just kill everyone in this nightclub you know like you kind of like you had that on the I was on that, my edge a little bit, you're like, oh, I may have to be careful what I say. I'll never be that disrespectful anyway, but you know, sometimes you can have a laugh and a joke with some people. I didn't feel like I would want to try and make fun of him in any way, because I didn't want to get him get it wrong and me get stabbed or some shit like that. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, it's like a, a big, let's say, dog that you're stroking, but you feel like, one stroke or one kind of hand movement 100%. wrong, the dog is not only going to bite you, but he's going to he's going to literally not let go. That's one of those ones, is sometimes you get those get those dogs right, loyal as anything. But like this is me, yeah. my dog, right? I have a little small dog, like, and this is why I like I like Bonnie. I love Bonnie the bits. She she's amazing when it comes with with humans. She's not the friendliest with other dogs as well. I think it's because she thinks she's human, but. Um, but it's like, what's the worst she can do? Whatever. Lick you but, to death. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if you go to like a big pit bull and you get some of them ones where you like, I don't know, but you know, they, they could just like flip out. And if they flip out, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, so like, you never know. And, and like, I know a few fighters, like, I even say one of them called Hector Lombard. He's a fighter. I used to train with Van him. He's one of those guys. He could be the nicest person in the world. So nice. But you never know. This guy's got a switch and he could just flip out over nothing. I remember, <laughs> I remember him sparring. Like, and, and he was always a ferocious competitor. And in sparring, he, was just saying, he, he only had one level. He's was 100%. So even like a, like a warm-up round, there'd be like a warm-up round, everyone's warming up. Okay, yeah, three minutes, you know, just warming up with each other next to me. Yeah. And I look over and there's some guy unconscious on the floor, mate. What the flip? 
And like, heck, just knocked someone out again. And he'd just be walking around like this. So, but then afterwards, he'd be like, hey, mate, he'd be like, be the nicest guy in the world, take people out for dinner, do all this. But he's just, <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah, so they do get a lot of people out there like that. <laughs> um, I asked you this when I met you at the Gala charity uh, last, last Saturday, actually. UFC or Bellator? What is the, what is the real difference? Because on the outside, let's just say someone's a casual fan or casual sports fan, they'll be like, yeah, it's the same sort of thing. What is the major difference between the UFC and Bellator? My easiest way to, to, to uh, describe this to the casual person, uh, it's just a different promotion, right? It's the same sport. So in my eyes, it's like champions, no, it's like Premier League, Bundesliga. Uh, La Liga, uh, Serie A, uh, and La Liga. You know, uh, you know, mm. it's like it's just different leagues, right? Obviously, some people think. Was it? What do you think that is the best footballing league? Premiership. You think the Premiership? Some people go, nah, Serie A. You know, so it's like that. But in my eyes, I think the Premiership is the best. But other people probably dis- disagree with you. Right? I say, no, it's, that's the same thing. For me, in my eyes, the best promotion where all the best fighters are. I'm, I go back. What do you, what do you class? Why do you class England being the best league? Because you believe he has probably not all of them. Don't get me wrong, but I probably has majority of the best players in that league, right? But then the argument, what, what about Leon Messi? You know, he's the best player in the world, he doesn't play there. That's what, how I explain it, where the UFC for me is the best organization because it has the best fighters. If you hold the UFC belt at any weight class, I believe you're the best fighter in the world. But there are other promotions like Bellator, like 1FC, like PFL, where so some of their champions you never know, could go to this promotion and win a belt or do well, whatever. And it has happened. People like, um, I've come from Bellator, come to the UFC, done well and won a belt, right? So it has happened, right? But it's not, in my eyes, the best fighters in the world will aim and try and go to the UFC. You know, that, that's because that's where the best players are, mm. you know? Some fighters don't, and not all the best fighters get to the UFC or go there. They do go elsewhere, you know. But the, in my eyes, is it, this is what I like about MMA more than boxing. Boxing, in my eyes, you have a WBA, WBC, WBO. Who's the best fighter in the world? I don't know. Who, you know, the, would WBO fight WBC? No. Politics somehow. So, like Manny Pacquiao versus uh, uh, Mayweather. I wanted that to fight, fight to happen a decade before it did. But because of politics, it never happened. This like two of the best fighters in the world like, in their prime, they should be fighting each other because you want to see who wins, right? That would happen in the UFC. They will fight each other because all the best fighters in the world will go there where they're not blocked by different promotions or this like that. So like, you never know. Like, yeah, there's too, for me, there's too many belts in in boxing, where sometimes, and politics, the best fighters don't get to fight each other, you know? Um, or when they do, it's 10 years too late, you know, like, kind of thing. Uh, where in MMA, the, if you want to know who the, who the best fighter in the world is, you look at the UFC, you look at the, who holds the, the, weight, the, the belt at that weight class, and you, you're pretty much certain that that's probably the best fighter in the world at that weight class. Mm. 
So clearly he was on the UFC. Beforehand, he was on the world extreme cage fighting circuit. Absolute championship, Berkut. Is that right? ABC, that's, that's uh, yeah. I never thought on that, though. That's a Russian show, but yeah. Okay, okay. And I got here, you done bare knuckle. Right, yeah. Yeah. Why did you get into bare knuckle fighting after the UFC? Okay, so basically, when I got into fighting, uh, my mum said, that, Oh, you got to live with my granddad, right? When I started boxing. So, yeah, but my granddad died when I was four, so I didn't really get to know him. But uh, he said, Oh, because my mum oh, said, Oh, you got it from my granddad, and you know, he used to do bare knuckle boxing. Uh, during the day, he used to be a roofer, and at night time, to earn some extra money for the family, he used to do bare knuckle boxing. Um, and that's why when I looked at pictures of him back in the day, he used to wear a trilby hat and braces. That's why I used to wear a trilby hat and braces out to my MMA fights to pay tribute to my granddad. So when I finished MMA, I got asked to do some bare knuckle boxing. I just thought to myself, hey, I looked at it in two different ways. One, what a good end to my story to finish on a bare knuckle boxing match. To, for honor, for honor, for honor from my granddad. But then also, I looked at the business, a business sort of thing. I, when I left the UFC, I retired. Most people, when they retire from the sport, is for injury, or they get sacked. Neither of me. I, I just kind of felt like, like I said before, my, my, my. I always wanted to go to the, to be number one in the world, and I just felt myself moving down ranks, losing, going, and I'm like. I'm done, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. So I retired from, from the UFC. So when I retired from the UFC, and I thought, okay, right, if I did do a better box match, who's gonna give me trouble fighting? Glove boxers, obviously. They're not doing bare knuckle. okay, cool. People who are fighting in the UFC, or that level of promotion, they're not doing bare knuckle boxing. So I'm like, I'm cool. Just give me whoever you want me to fight in bare knuckle boxing because the level is not going to be the level where I've literally just retired from. And, and it, it showed that night. I, I fought a guy. I knocked him out in two punches. Didn't even get him hit. And I won the British belt. Uh, since then, obviously now, same as any sport, the level has got a lot better. Once, I think uh, I fought him big, uh, not... Uh, I fought BKB, uh, um, the UK version one. Now there's BKFC, which is the American version one. Once you have, like, Jim Doe's and the people that do BKB, they do a great job of promoting it. Once you do, you promote us any sport well and you promote it well, you're going to attract the better sort of fighters. And also, once you pay people accordingly, you're going to attract better fighters. Once you have better fighters going to your, 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 your platform, it's going to attract other good fighters. So that, that's what happens. So like now, the level of BKFC, you see a lot of people like on the American one, BKFC, some great fights, some high level fighters. And nowadays you, you get them. Now the level of bare knuckle boxing is quite high and have a, got a good level of, of fighting, you know, so mm. because of promotion. But back when I did it, no disrespect to my opponent, I was like, they're not on my level. Uh, and yeah, so and it showed. Because um, 
you've got Mike Perry, former UFC, yep. and now he's a bare knuckle champion. He seems like he's found his groove with, with bare knuckle. It yeah. really does look like he's enjoying himself. For me, that, for exactly that. This is going to say, there's some people, I believe that sport is for them. Going back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast, it's not about how, how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get it. And he is one tough motherfucker. Mentally and physically, just an animal. And he's like, like a, he, he reminds he, me a bit of a screw loose guy. Yeah, he, I mean, fighting, you have to have a bit of a screw loose, right? And like, he's just fucking tough. And it shows when he fought Michael Venom Page, right? Michael Venom Page, no disrespect to Mike Perry, is 10 times technically better fighter than Mike Perry. But in a fight, which a bare knuckle boxing match is a fight, is the closest thing to a real fight skill set out, out of the equation it's just you gotta be fucking tough and like and he showed in that fight Mike Perry is one tough bastard and he beat who in my eyes is a much more technically sound striker in in um, Michael Venom Page mm-hmm. you know and that's what and honestly going back to what me and my, what I was saying in my path if bare knuckle boxing was a sport a big enough sport back in the day I would, in my eyes, would be amazing at bare knuckle boxing just for my fighting style, how I was, and and um, just my mentality and stuff like that. I think I would have bare knuckle boxing would have suited me down to the ground, you mm. know. But obviously, it became more of a sport when I finished fighting, you know. Mm. But um, it suits certain people, and it's about like you say, toughness is a, a massive attribute you need to be a bare knuckle boxer. Mm. What do you think's more dangerous, boxing with gloves or bare knuckle fighting? Uh, boxing with gloves, right? People, and also with MMA. Agreed. Right? People, people on, uh, in uh, MMA, uh, I think MMA is also safer than bare knuckle boxing, right? Uh, I, I think this way is, I think glove boxing is more dangerous, then it's bare knuckle boxing, then it's MMA. MMA is the least dangerous. Yes, mad injuries happen in all sports broken limbs, this and stuff like that. But well, let's talk about the main thing was everyone's mind is head trauma, right? Brain damage. They're, they're, the, they're, they're the life-changing injuries that you can sustain. You won't find them, and don't say you, you, you never happened, but you won't find them as much in MMA. Reason being, a couple of reasons. One, I know you're wearing four ounce gloves, but two, your grappling involved a lot. Three, if you came at me now and I hit you with a good right hand, you dropped to the floor, right? I ran at you, covered, and I jumped on you straight away, started hitting you. The ref pulls you off, pulls me off you. I win the fight. The fight's over. Okay. In boxing, you come at me. Boom, I crack you with a big right hand. You fall down. I do not continue to come down and hit you. I let you recover. You get your 10-second count. You make the belt fine. You come back out, you sustain more damage. Then I can maybe drop you again. Boom, you go down again. Good chance to recover. Come back up, more damage. So you're going to get more damage and head trauma because there's no grappling. There's, you're not on the floor for any time. It's literally body and head is all I'm, all I'm targeting. No kicks to the legs, no nothing that. So I'm gonna, you're going to take more brain damage. So going back to bare knuckle and... Uh, glove boxing same thing applies if I'm hitting with a bare knuckle I'm more likely to do more damage as in not knock you down yet again you're not going to sustain that too much right Right. this is where for me though in bare knuckle where it can be a little bit dangerous where 
you get a 20 second count, right? Which is a long count for the chance to recover, right? Um, and then, you do, again, you go back. The rounds are shorter. You only get like, I think the maximum rounds they do is five twos. It's normally three twos, right? Uh, not even three minute rounds. Where in boxing, it's three 12 minute rounds, right? No, sorry. 12 three minute rounds, right? So it's just long and you're just getting so much damage for a long period of time. And for me, sometimes in me in my eyes, boxing can become a little bit boring because of that, mm. right? What people see a lot in MMA and in barnacle boxing is cuts. Blood, oh my God, someone's dying. I've been cut so many times in training and in fights. It's very superficial, you're stitched up and within a week, you're back to normal. I break my limb or tear my ACL, or pull a bicep, I'm out for a long period of time. They're the injuries you don't want to sustain. Those, those, they're the ones that suck. These little eye cuts are nothing. But people see blood and all that. It's, it's, it's the uned, uneducated person who follows the sport, who doesn't know too much, think, oh my God, that's so bad, it's barbaric. You know, like, and for me, it's not that bad, those, those, those little cuts. But going back to the original thing, I think, it's worse for you, glove boxing, because the mat, like how long the rounds are, and you don't hit each other hard enough all the time to knock each other out, and you just get cumulative damage. I think, yeah, it's worse. I think boxing could be a lot better in the way where I think they should do two minute rounds, not three, right? Give everyone one minute break in a two minute round, and you're gonna get a much better fight. You think about if you if you're a fighter, you have a minute break in a two minute round what you're gonna, you're gonna fight. Three minute round, MMA is a lot different, it's a five minute round, but a three minute round, it's quite a long time, right? But if you had a two minute round, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna fight, boom, boom, and it'd be way more exciting, and you're gonna go out there a bit more guns blazing than a three minute round, you're gonna pace yourself, because you know that it's gonna be hard to put someone away, kind of thing, you're gonna pace yourself for the later rounds. Mm. You know, that's why I find, I find boxing nowhere near as entertaining than I did do back in the day when I had like Nigel Ben and mm -hmm. the Dark Destroyer and people like that, Mike Tyson, where you knew Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson when he was fine, was never thinking about how am I gonna feel in the 12th round? He's feeling like, I'm gonna get you out in the one, two, three, four, eight. he's trying to knock you out in the first four or five rounds. You know, he's not thinking about the 12th round. Where nowadays in heavyweight boxing and boxing mm. in general, people think about, okay, I need to pace myself here, you know, and they save themselves and mm. don't exert themselves as much. So I think boxing, if they had shorter rounds, would be better, or not as many rounds, and get people to fight more, if that makes sense. Yeah. This next question is what I think about with myself, and I've not done fighting as a career or as a profession, but it's right. something I absolutely adore. My favourite session is typically on a Friday, even though I didn't do it today because I've got a, uh, an injury, is sparring. I love it. Yeah. It just makes me awake. When I, when, I, when I spar, my Friday is always good because I, all my senses are alive. Mm. I feel like I can communicate with people better. I feel like I'm aware. It's just, it's just the release is... People won't understand it if they're not into fighting, but when you, when you pull off a good move... Or you have a good little bust up, and you actually get a couple of digs. It, for some reason, it, I just feel like a fryer from that in that environment. But I interviewed a guy called Tris Dixon, who's got a book called Damaged, and he writes in this book: the boxers who get the brain damage or long-term concussion, it's not because of the fights, because of their sparring. Yeah. 
And I get it because 16 ounce gloves, you've also got the head guard on, you've got obviously the gum shield in. And I think because of that, you're willing to take more silly risks. You just because, got, you got a bigger yeah, head. You yeah. got bigger, one, you got a bigger head. Two, also you could take, yeah. Me, me getting hit with the same sort of impact is the same. My head's bobbling as yeah. much as the same. And also, again, going back to boxing, all boxers do is spar boxing, right? Where in MMA, you grapple, you do you you do, you do wrestling, you re- you wrestle, you don't going on. We do spar as well, but we spar probably full sparring twice a week, right? Boxers spar way more, one you know every day sometimes, you know like. But we do live grappling, grapple. We do live wrestling where there's no head trauma and so that. So for for me, I do think yeah, like sparring as much as I love it, right, is the best thing because also. In my eyes, it's the most realistic thing to a fight where I always gauge. Where if you get tired in sparring, you're gonna get tired within a fight. No matter how many fucking hills you run up and how many cardio sessions you've done, if you sparring and get tired, guess what? You're gonna get, you're gonna get tired in a fight. So for me, I always like sparring as a good indication to see where you're at and how your fitnesses really are. Also, life situations, going back to what you're saying, you can learn a move in MMA or in boxing, all right, slipping a jab, come out left hook, okay. No, so slipping across, come out left hook, okay, yeah, yeah. The, but unless you pull that off in a life situation, your brain don't, you, your brain don't believe that it works. So mm. say you learn something new, it, you could drill it a thousand times, but until you pull it off once, you're never gonna believe in that move. It really works. So how I explain this is like, you would say, oh yeah, when I hit a move, you're like, like now, say you, say you sparred today, right? Tonight, you didn't spar, but say you did spar, and you started sparring, and you crack some guy with a beautiful left uppercut. What are you gonna do later on in the round, or the next round, or next time you spar? Let me do this uppercut, because it works. I hit this guy with a beautiful uppercut. You get, you get, sometimes it can be people's poison as well, where they get so addicted to a move, because they had success with it, they do it too much, don't get me wrong. but. You have to have success with that move for your brain. Once you do it, you, you, once you pull something off which you like, your brain re- releases these endorphins that you get that adrenaline high, like fucking yeah, brilliant. And then you and like you said, you get that high, right? So and you, and, and you love it, and that's what that's what you want. So now when you spar again, what's your body want? You want that high again? Let me fucking try and get that move. And you get addicted to that move. That's what I mean. That's why I think you have to pull off a move in a life situation to get that adrenaline rush. Mm. And it's, like, it's the same as gambling, right? It's like you gamble, you know, you don't give me how many times you, you lost, you know, right? you, you remember the time you won your bet. And you're like, oh, this is fucking amazing. I'm gonna make, forget the hundred times you lost. Same in sparring, you know, you may for a hundred jabs, miss them all, but that one time you slipped them right hand, all you could do is remember that slip count of right mm. hand and then you're fucking buzzing. So yes, yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it, it's human nature, you know? The, what I was kind of gonna uh, sort of get to is, the question of do you feel do you feel yourself because I ask myself this all the time do you feel that you've got some long term damage from fighting no I I haven't yet I've got long time I've got long term damage from being an athlete 100% my worst injury I have now is my 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 right knee I ruptured my ACL 
uh, when I was 21 playing football, never had it repaired because this is when my footballing went wrong. I was playing Sunday morning football when I should have done, rupturing my, my, my knee. So my club released me and all that sort of stuff. So I've had no ACL in my right, right leg mm. longer than I've had an ACL. Mm-hmm. I, I rupture in 21, I'm 40 odd now. So I, I have bad problems in my right knee. I broke my nose playing basketball, rupture my knee playing football. I think the worst injury I have had from fighting was probably I ruptured my L5, L5 S1 in the lower part of my back. But to that, I don't have any problems now. I had, it gave me problems when I'd done it. I was injured for quite a bit. I had to have loads of like um, cortisone uh, injections and stuff like that. But knock wood, it's okay. Uh, so I don't think I've had any long-term damage, you know, in my eyes. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't. I kind of don't think I'm punch drunk. I don't have the best memory in 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 in, in the world anyway. It's it just I've never been good with people's names, but I never have been good. So there's nothing I can say from fighting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know money doesn't drive you, and I obviously, and I agree with you, the success is subjective, right? And obviously we spoke about what success means for you, and it's mm. different to somebody else. However, Dana White, who's a friend of yours, calls you today, you're 44, you keep yourself a good nick, and you already told me upstairs you, you, you do spar still. Yeah. What is a number he would have to give you in order for you to come back and have a fight in UFC? None. 10 million? No, because I'm not money driven. For me, it's like, I, I said this, look, it's like, obviously, uh, people have said to me a lot, because obviously, one of my big wins on my record is against a guy called Demetrius Johnson. So everyone said to me, oh, would you fight? He's gone over to 1FC. And they said to me, oh, how much would it take you to go fight him over in 1FC? And I'm like, they say like, a million pounds. And I'm like, you know what, I would, 100%. I'd be so, I'd be driven for a little bit, because of money, I'd be, yeah, great. And then, when, I was always competition driven, so don't get me wrong, I would do that fight because the competition would be there. That I was like, fucking, I'm gonna go fight Demetrius Johnson. So the competition has to be there. Or, or for me, it was going back to the bare knuckle, it wasn't the money I did it or anything like that, it was the new challenge. I have to, I have to be motivated by a challenge other than money. The money is, is a byproduct of, of the event. So if, if, if Dana asked me to fight, I'm like, okay, cool, who against? If he gave me a, someone like, let's fucking go, I'm like, let's go. I had to be more more invested in the, 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 the challenge than the money. The money. Like I say, money money is a byproduct. Don't get me wrong, the money, the money has to be, to be be correct. There are people who chat to me about other things. You know, there's other shows that are chatting to me about fighting and stuff like that, about different things, and I'm like, Maybe, I may do it. Masvidal, a good friend of mine, Jorge uh, Masvidal, he has his own show, which is Bare Knuckle MMA. Chatted to me a little bit about doing that, but you know what, I might do that. I could, I could potentially do, do Bare Knuckle MMA because it's new, it's a new challenge. I know for myself, I retired from the UFC on my own terms because I was not competing to where I wanted to compete. Me going back now, also, me going back now, being turning 45 this month, knowing in a million years I'm never going to be able to compete with the top 10. Why am I doing it? 
You know, like, I'm not there just to make up the numbers. I want to be, do something. Like, I want to win or something like that. I'm a proud person. I'm not just going to go there to get beaten up by some young guy making a rise. Fuck that. I, I give him some more credit of, like that. And there's a million ways you get earn money. Money comes and goes. Um, so for me, it'd, be, it'd have to be a challenge. Something, you know, I've done one bare knuckle, knuckle boxing match. I might, I might do another one. I quite enjoyed it, you know? But yeah, again, it'd be like, who am I fighting? Arm Loboff, yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. You know, uh, Jason Knight, yeah, I'll do that. It has to be someone that I'm like, I want to fight that guy because that person is going to get me out of bed in the morning to go train. Mm-hmm. Money is not going to get me out of the bed to go train. I'm not money oriented. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing, right? Of course, I need money to make, to for my kids. I send my kids to, kids to private school. It's expensive. I need to earn money for that. So I'm not stupid in that aspect as well. But money doesn't drive me. For me, my most, my currency and my, the valuable currency to me right now is time. You're never going to get time back in your life, right? Money will come and go. I'll never get time. Time you take away from me to go train and have to train and turn my life upside down is taking time away from my, we, my job and my, my, my coaching and my family. Mm. You have to pay me accordingly to take that, my time away. So that's how I, I gauge it. How much time I need to do, how much to take away, is how much you need to pay me. So yeah. it's all to do with my time, something. For me, time is my, my most valuable currency. This is my last question for you, Brad. Yep. Um, I came up with, with my own mantra when I was younger. Came up with what, sorry? My own mantra. My own okay. kind of life. Same. Same. And it goes like this. Be happy, never content. Now, I've got yeah. my own interpretation of what that means. But if I were to ask Mr. Brad, one punch, pick it. What does be happy, never content mean to you? Uh... Being happy is just uh, be, be a good person, treat people how you want to be treated, and never be content is never just be resting on your laurels. Always strive to be either one, a better person, or two, a better, better dad, or better at anything, and just never be content of, of who you are, and always try and improve yourself as an individual. That's how I would read that motto. Yeah, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you. Thank you. Uh, you're an incredible athlete, you're an incredible individual. Thank you. Um, you're exactly how everybody described you and it's been an absolute honour and if you do make a comeback in the fighting world I want a part two afterwards when we talk about your success will do alright thank you very much be happy never content make sure you're following Brad and make sure you're subscribing to the channel and once again thank you very much mate thank you